As a sales manager, you are judged by the performance of your team and you're praised when they do well. But one thing that you've not been able to figure out is how to get everyone on your team consistently hitting quota every single month. On the Snack Size Sales Podcast, we discuss the science of selling STEM. Sales leadership in the science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing fields is difficult. You will learn from sales managers just like you that will give you actionable insights and tips on how to develop as a leader and achieve your revenue targets every single month. So pop your headphones in and get ready to listen to my guests today. They will give you information and inspiration to ensure that you have actionable insights that you can put into place today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Science of Selling STEM. Today, I have Mr. Rick Barnett. How are you, Rick? I'm awesome. Thank you. Mr. Barnett currently serves as founder of RepLight. He is responsible for spearheading a strategic development process that allows manufacturers to experience maximized potential with limited resources. Mr. Barnett has initiated and instituted his process to allow several manufacturers to experience exponential growth within the division that it was applied. Okay, growth, manufacturers, tell us about how did you start your career and how did you come to have this amazing company? Yeah, well, thank you first for having me. I appreciate it. So as you can tell, I've got a lot of tenure and experience. So my career's a long journey. I really started in sales, believe it or not, in in insurance sales (laughs) and um, did that for a a little bit and then just decided that there was something else in life that I wanted to do. So went back and ended up becoming a first assistant in surgery. So I've switched into a clinical role. Did that for a few years and, and then really because of the way that technology was evolving, I saw a need for basically people to help support technology in and around the operating room. So I created that inside of a hospital. It was a team within the, the OR. And I had uh, one of my clients actually come to me and say, you know, when we sell things into this hospital, when we sell our technology into it, things just work and we don't have to send a rep in, we're not having to support it. And they're like, so how, why is this happening here? So I explained to them what I'd seen and the need that I had. And they said, well, can you come to the industry and do it with us? So that was many years ago, I, I went to work for Stryker. I was employed one of one and Stryker's a huge medical device company. And we were basically in charge of building a junior sales team, if you will. And so started there, if you fast forward then about 14 years later, there was about 800 of us. So grew it from one to 800 was recruited by another medical device company called Intuitive Surgical. Uh, Intuitive is known for their Da Vinci robot. They had kind of seen what happened at Stryker. They said, hey, we've got disruptive technology. It's in the OR. We spend a lot of time supporting it. Do you think that it's applicable for us to put a junior rep program together? And really the the junior rep programs kind of looked like a minor league baseball team to their major league affiliate. Right, so we started that at, at Intuitive. I did that for four or five years, grew that from employee one of one to about 120. And then just decided that what we were doing for those companies, we could really expand out and go to many different companies. So about eight years ago, obviously saw a need and we started Rep Light. And basically what we do is we create minor league 
teams for our clients. We're a contract sales and service company. And so we primarily play in the medical space, uh, medical devices and pharmaceuticals. Although we do some work in the business to business, just plan out there anyway. So that's a, about a 30 year journey. Wow. So I really want to kind of rewind and go back to going from one to 800, <laughs> because there are a lot of people that are in either that beginning stage or the middle stage, right? And I think that the beginning, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's like, okay, we see a vision, we see growth. But then you start getting these people and the growing pains, right? So it's like when you get from 50 to 100 or 100 to 300, right? So talk to us about those growing pains when you guys were experiencing that rapid growth and really what things did you do to ensure that the team, everybody who came on was onboarded the same way, that you had the team camaraderie that you needed to really help sustain the culture? Yeah, it's a great question. And I would tell you that Stryker as an organization has, has a great culture. I mean, it's, they pride themselves on it. I think for us early on as we started the growth, and I think you're right. When you got a new concept, growth's kind of easy. It's, you know, you, I would tell you the first 75 people were probably fairly easy. But when you do start to scale, there are some complexities. And I think the key takeaway for me was, and still is, you know, I think a lot of people talk about servant leadership, but I do think that if you're leading an organization or you're about to grow or scale an organization, we certainly believe in it here that the folks that you work with, your job is to serve not only your client, but also the people that you work with. And I think if you go about it in the mind frame of, you know, my job is to serve the people that work here with us at Rep Life. That is what I come to work every morning to do. And that's what I leave here every evening intending to do is to basically, I want my body of work to be so that I am setting people up to be able to thrive and have success. And that's just kind of the nature that I took in the mid nineties. And it still seems to be a good method for success. So how do you really help the internal stakeholders understand that, hey, customers are important, but your colleagues are also important. We're here to serve each other. If I ask you to expedite this, it's not just because I want to do it for my health. It's because there's somebody else down the chain that actually may need that. Yeah, I think it's about being bought into the mission, right? You know, there's times that we talk about the why, okay? And I'm going to give you an illustration. So let's just use a medical device company, okay? If, if they create you know, a new device, right? They've got this great new pen. And, you know, they put that out to the sales force and say, hey, this pen's really cool. Go sell a lot of them. I think that only drives those sales to a certain point. I think if you take that new device, we'll call it our pen as an example, and you really articulate to the team how this pen's going to improve the lives of patients that are actually up, you, this pen is used for, I think that sets a different tone through the organization. So it's not a product and trying to hit a number, hit your quota, grow the revenue. It's why are we doing what we're doing? And how? Do, what's the outcome of that? So you kind of, you know, I hate to say, use a cliche, you know, start with the end in mind, but you certainly need to know the why behind your daily activity. The why, I love that. How do you, as the president, the CEO of the company, define the why so here you know when we start an engagement with a client and they tell us their needs 
you know, they want to build a sales team or they want to grow a different division of their sales team, we kind of take a deeper dive and, and ask what are they trying to accomplish with this, right? Is it launching a new product? Is it support for a, a different division? Or, you know, what is it? Because I think for us, we need to get an alignment with what they're wanting so that that helps us build that why for each particular client. Because every client's different and their why is different. What we really don't waver on here, we have a couple just pillars of things that, that we just, we look for people who have strong moral compass or have integrity. They have to have that. They certainly have to have energy and they have to have bandwidth or intelligence because, you know, in the medical space or whatever space we're in, we feel like those three things are just core pillars that they need before we can move forward. And I think what happens when you find people like that, if they have those three things, then it, it really brings the chasm of alignment really tight. So you can really start to build that why and that culture around what you're trying to accomplish. How has understanding your why or really developing this why, how has that helped you see this tremendous growth that you've talked about throughout your career? I think it goes back to the fact that, you know, I believe that the work that I get to do, you know, I love the statement, find what you love to do and call it work, right? I love that statement. And I think it's, it goes back to what I said earlier. If you really go about your, your body of work, with a servant mentality, I think, is what I would use. I mean, you can, you can call it what you want, but really, I think I'm serving the why, right? Mm -hmm. And that means whether it's people, technology, processes, my job is to serve and support the why of the organization, whether it's our client or it's rep life, either one. So I love this, I'm serving the why. And I think that so often when people within our field, these technical fields of STEM sales, they're so focused on the tactical aspects, right? They forget the human element of sales, of selling, of business. So how are you able to really bridge that gap? Because to be successful in this field, you have to be doing some of the tactical stuff, but you're so focused on that human element. How can you really bring those together? Well, it's, I think, you know, I'm sounding redundant here, but I think, you know, again, if there are things, you know, let's just use technical sales, right? There's, there's aspects of things that, that you have to know and be knowledgeable of, right? And those, you have to know your product, you have to know the industry or whatever it is. But I think it goes back to that, let's find a common mission statement. Let's find what we're trying to do that really resonates with people because those technical things I think are a part of learning. I think that if you take someone who has a strong desire to succeed and is willing to apply themselves, we can teach them the technical aspects of it. The thing that I can't, I can't really teach is the motivation to go you know, for whatever you're wanting, I can't teach you that motivation. That has to be internal. Mm. But if you have that internal motivation for success and you have a desire and we marry that with a why and educate, then you've got a pretty good recipe for success. Mm. I love that. I just don't understand why everybody wants, they, I love calling them the competitor's rejects. And they won't just find the strong salespeople. And what you just defined was really a recipe to identify a strong salesperson, teach them the technology, 
help them to be propelled, and then really allow them to take off. And when you started RepLite, I feel like you there was something in the industry that you said, something is broken and I want to fix it. How did you really even decide eight years ago to start the company? So I'm going to be a little bit corny here and go back to a sports analogy, right? So if you look at Major League Baseball, okay, Major League Baseball, which I got to put in a plug, we're in Atlanta, so go Braves, just have to put that plug in there. Just, just um, rub it in, just rub it in, just go ahead, rub it in. <laughs> It's been a long time since we've been to the show. So uh, we had a 26-year drought, I think. But here's what I know about baseball, and this maybe will help. So if you look at the, this past World Series, both teams had players that were called from the minor leagues and actually got to start or play in the World Series. That's only because they had minor league teams that are affiliated with each organization. So if you think about name the company or whatever, but look at a major league organization. So all these major league teams, they have these minor league affiliates in these little small towns around the U.S., right? If a player gets hurt or something happens to a player, they can have a replacement player within a day on that major league team. Now, it's truly, for the most part, a plug-and-play player because they've been in the organization, they know the playbook, they know the offense, they know the strategy because they've been in a part of the organization. The thing that I noticed eight years ago is, is that in the, especially in the medical and the pharmaceutical, we don't have a minor league team. And when I started socializing this and asking why, the two things that I, I heard most often was, well, we can't afford a second layer. And then I would hear uh, something like, we need people to be provide value or provide revenue. So again, let's go back to this minor league concept in Major League Baseball. All of those minor league teams are developing players day in and day out. They're getting ready for that major league opportunity. They are supporting local communities with entertainment and revenue. So it's no different in sales. If you don't have a junior sales program that you are nurturing, developing, anytime you lose a rep, a rep quits, a rep gets fired, you've got a vacant territory for however long it takes you to get filled. And I can tell you in our field, depending on the product segment, we say that an empty territory costs anywhere from 150000 to 500000 just an open territory. So I don't know how you cannot afford to be developing a minor league team for your organization. This, I mean, when I heard about what you did, I was like, oh my goodness, it's genius. Because the problem is, and I'm not sure if it is... The same in your industry, but in industries that I touch, manufacturing, petrochemical, you know, those heavy industrial sides, the workforce is aging. So it's not even that somebody's going to quit. It's that they're going to retire. And once they retire, they're taking 10, 15, 20 years of product knowledge, customer knowledge with them. And you don't start to think about the replacement until the person says, oh, I'm retiring at the end of the year. And you're like, oh, it's June or July. It's going to take me three months to find somebody. And then I only have three months of overlap. And like you said, the problem is 
that the empty territory is not producing, right? So you run out the pipeline, but after the pipeline is run out, there's nobody backfilling it. And it takes people time to learn. And so really having that, I love the, the analogy, even though you had to rub the braids in my face, I'll accept it. Because when the Astros won the World Series, we celebrated that probably for like two or three five years. We just not even stopped celebrating yet, right? So I get that. Tell me with this minor league sales team that you guys work with and develop and have for your customers, how has that helped them? So I'll give you an example. So we have a client that's in the cardiac space and medical devices, and they were experiencing, and when, when a rep leaves, it's not only the loss of productivity in the sales, right? But it's competitive threats. It's employees around that territory that are having to pitch in. So it's burnout. There's a lot of things that go into when a rep either retires or, or leaves or whatever. And what they were experiencing was, and it's our current client, when a rep left, HR then got engaged. It took them anywhere from three to six months to find a candidate, which that's normal. And especially in today's job market, right? But the problem is, is they had $250,000 of missed opportunity during that time frame. So when they engaged us three or four years ago, the VP of sales is like, okay, we need to stop this bleeding. This revenue, you know, even if you have a, a normal rate of attrition, right? Call it 10 to 15%, which is kind of normal out in, out in the space. You're talking about it comes up into the millions of dollars every year that you're losing. So what they did is they engaged us and we basically put 25 territory associates around the country. These territory associates, young, bright professionals with no knowledge of cardiac equipment, but they bring them in and they attach them to a, a senior rep. And so they're developing these people. And what happens is, is our program says, our model says that anytime after 12 months, in our engagement, you can take a person directly, right? So that's part of our value proposition. So what happens now is when they lose a rep, they refill it within days because they call me and say, hey, your employee that's working on contract with us, your territory associate has been with us on contract for 18 months. They're knowledgeable. They understand the process. They've been with a really good senior rep. So bam, they plug that position in days, not weeks, not months. I love that. And while we're on this topic, I would really like you to help me dispel this, I would call misnomer <laughs> from the audience because people have a very unrealistic view of what it takes or how long it takes for a new technical sales rep to really become autonomous. Give me some stats based on what your experience is. For them to really understand and learn the business and be able to do it on their own. Wow. I think the fastest out there is probably 90 days. And I think that's an exception. I think you're probably looking at more like 180 days to 12 months. And now I'm saying that's when they are, you know, as autonomous as they can be from an organizational standpoint. But it's rare that anyone in a highly technical field can produce on their own, I would say six months to a year, probably. I love it. It's right on target with what I tell people. I say six to 18 months, yeah, right? Yeah. Because 
sometimes you have these really complex products and it's, it takes a little bit longer, but six to 18 months. So you cannot expect a person that you hire to come in and get rid of them in 60 days because they haven't closed the deal. I mean, come on people, <laughs> let's give people a chance to learn the business. And the thing is, even if they come from a similar industry or your competitor, your products are a little bit different. Your processes are a little bit different. Your customers are different. We have to allow people to learn. And look, you know, if we don't sell at RepLite, we don't need either, right? Like, but here's what I would tell you. I think as leaders, we need to not forget the development piece for people. Every person needs to be developed. And you can't expect someone to and be Mr. Magic Man or Girl, right? It's just it, man or lady. It's just not there. So that's the reason I use this baseball analogy so well. Every night in the summer, the Houston Astros, the Atlanta Braves, and some small town are developing their future all-stars. And I think as important as hitting revenue is, as important as you know hitting your quota or whatever your KPIs are, one of your KPIs should be certainly developing the next gen. It just... I think you're missing it if you're not. So if there's someone and they're like, okay, I think I want to get started. I want to dabble my toe in this. What is the first thing that they need to do to start developing their minor league team internally? Uh, call us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. We will. Let, since you're such an excellent salesperson, tell me why they would call you instead of trying to do it themselves. Well, that's, and thank you for that question because that's a question I get asked all the time and it's lovely to have it. So one of the things that companies can do when trying to embark on this is you can really drown your resources. I mean, you're asking HR to take on a whole new thing. You're asking your talent acquisition people, you're asking your field management to really take on, call it a separate division, if you will. I mean, that's not really what it is. And you're asking them to do that with their current workload. So it's not like they're just sitting around needing stuff to do. They're blasted, you know, 60 hours a week already. So why would you not get the best of both worlds when you can have a partner like us, we go through all the interview process, we do all of that, we hand them to our client for one final interview, they say, yep, we like them, we onboard them, and then the day that they're supposed to start, they show up ready to go. So I think it's having a trusted partner that has done it, has done it with, you know, Fortune 50 companies down to the two guys in a garage or two girls in a garage, right? I mean, it's, we've done it with all kinds. And so I, I think it's about efficiency. It's about de-risking too. One of the things that we tell people all the time is when you go to build a junior sales force or you go to build a sales force, there's a ton of risk in that, right? It costs a lot of money and you hope that everyone works out. With us, we remove that risk for you because it's up to us to make sure that they work out. It's up to us to make sure that we hire good people. So I would say anytime you start a new venture like that, you try to find a partner that can remove as much risk to your business as you can. I love it. You know, I like to say, I tell people you're an expert at what you do. You might be an expert at field sales, outside sales, whatever you want to call it. But when you're doing something like this, the amount of time, research, effort it's going to take for you to figure it out when it, 
You don't have to be, I like to say, no need to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Find someone, a trusted resource that you can really use to help feel this. Somebody who's done it. And like Rick said, you know, hey, they have done it. They do it all the time and they have great success with it. So I guess the first step is to, I would say the first step I would recommend would be to do an inventory of your internal resources. And once you realize that you don't have the bandwidth for this, then you call Rick. <laughs> That's good advice. But I would, I think that the folks who are listening to this will probably, during that interview, interview process or the internal review, I don't think many of them are going to find that they've got the resources to do it because everyone's running hard and running fast right now. Absolutely. So it's, that's, that's the reason we're in business. <laughs> so tell us about, give us a success story. You, you gave us some little nuggets of some things that have happened throughout your career, but give us something that you're really proud of accomplishing. You know, it's kind of a, a humbling thing, but I think from a professional standpoint, obviously from a personal, you know, my family, uh, my faith, that's what I'm really proud of. But from a professional standpoint, I think the thing that, that really motivates me is there's people that I have hired 25 plus years ago that I still speak with weekly on the phone. Mm -hmm. And they are either CEOs or VPs of sales and I hired them in at an entry level junior position. And I still communicate with so many of those folks, right? And people ask me, so, you know, what gets you fired up? When we hire a young professional or when we extend an offer to a young professional and they sign our offer letter, that's when I feel success. Because I know if they apply themselves, they're going to have that long tenure run of being successful, you know, it being fruitful, being good for their family and their lives. So it sounds a little, maybe a little cheekish, but I love when someone signs an offer letter from us because it, I know what, I know what's going to happen. That's good. And I love that what you said you're most proud of. It's not, you know, the big sales that you've won or the big teams that you've created. It's each person's life that you're impacting because we know how a career in sales can really change your trajectory of your life, change your family history, change your legacy. And so really, like you said, that first signature on a paper or knowing that somebody who you hired in at entry level, you know, grunt salesperson is now a VP of sales or a CEO. So I do want to give you one example of this. And, and th I think this just illustrates it. And it, it doesn't happen with everyone, but we hired a young lady into one of these territory associate roles, you know, low entry level. So let's say 60,000 a year, right? Compensation. And she got in with one of our clients and she just, she done the things that were asked of her, right? She learned, she, you know, worked hard, fast forward about 19 months and our client took her on directly because she had gotten to the point you and I talked about, right? Where she was, she knew what to do. Fast forward about two months after that, she calls me and she's in tears. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And she goes, I'm going to make over $250,000 this year and you've, you've changed my life and my family's life. And that's, that's our why. <laughs> that's what we do what we do because we give people that opportunity. Mm. Really cool. That's amazing. In two years to go from 60,000 to 250. And you know, there are so many people that are scared of sales or they think sales is this or that, but really 
sales is one of the only careers that the amount of effort you put in directly impacts the output, the sales, your commission, how much money you make, right? And so that is one of the most exciting things about a career in sales. It's the only profession I know that you're in charge of your raises. Absolutely. <laughs> I like to say you work as hard or as little as you want to and your income, your output is directly correlated to that. If you work 100 hours a week, that means you're going to close more sales if you're doing the right thing. Now, there's, <laughs> if you're doing the right thing, you're going to close more sales. Like you said, one of the only careers that you can actually control how much money you make. You control your income. You control your destiny. Yeah, that's true. So, Rick, this conversation has been amazing. I am curious. I know that there are going to be people who are going to be like, okay, well, I listened to what Wesley says, and she said, do my inventory the call, Rick. So what is the best way for people to get in contact with you? I mean, obviously, come to our website. It's rep-lite, so rep-lite.com. You can also send an email at info, I-N-F-O, at rep, R-E-P hyphen L-I-T-E I think those are probably the two of the easiest ways to get in touch with us. If you go to the website, there's a contact form. You can fill it out. You will be responded to in under 24 hours. Unless you do it on Saturday night at 10 o'clock, then it may be Monday. But for the most part, you, you'll be responded to within 24 hours. But we look, any of your audience, we'd love to help them. If what we talked about today is something that they believe could serve, you know, their customers well, we'd love to be a part of their, their journey. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I thank you so much for providing your insight on how you're really able to help companies grow those minor league sales teams and really expand and show how you started from one person to 800 person team. I mean, if nothing else, that kind of shows your experience. So thank you so much again for joining me today. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. And guys, that was another episode of the Science of Selling STEM. Please leave us a review. Drop me a note, wgreer at transformsales.com. Let me know, how do you like the guest? Is this resonating with you? And remember, in all that you do, transform your sales. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today on the Snack-Sized Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.snacksizedsales.com. Trust me, your bank account will grow and love you.